Hello and welcome to Mediation Matters. This series of podcasts explores how mediation can make the world a better place. Join me, Adam Gersh, founder and CEO of Global Mediation, the most active and fastest growing national provider of mediation services, as I discuss the latest developments, trends, updates, and important topical questions with real experts in the field. In this series, we will be exploring how to disagree well. We will take a behind the scenes look at mediation and we will share essential mediation skills and their practical application in a variety of conflict situations. And now for our special guest, enjoy the podcast. Joining me today is the most fabulous Wendy Shand, who oh. is a coach, advisor, mentor, and makes a massive difference uh, to business. Hello, Wendy. Hello, how are you? Nice to be here. Lovely to have you on the podcast. We're really fascinated to learn uh, about your business story, uh, what you do and how you got to, to, to do what you're doing now. Oh, my goodness. Do you want the whole story with bruises and all? Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, I suppose I suppose I left um, university um, and want, was was gunning for a big um, marketing career in London. That's that's where my trajectory was heading. That's where my experience um, was. That's where my interests were. What I didn't realise was that um, my career ambitions would be derailed by my soon to be husband, who was training to be a fast jet pilot in the RAF. Um, which is all very glamorous until you learn that all of that happens in the outer reaches of the country and nowhere near anywhere that you can have a big marketing career. So I, I did what um, what I thought all good RAF wives do, and I did my teacher training, um, thought I'd have the ultimate in portable jobs um, and, and would, would, um, would do what my mother did, which is basically follow follow my husband around around the world. Um, which was all very well until we got to North Wales, where um, even that career got um, knocked on the head because unless you speak Welsh, you can't teach. So there was career number two um, ended ended before I was even twenty five or twenty six, I think, by that stage. Um, we, we by that time we had um, two small children, um, and I was sitting on Anglesey, um, being a stay at home mum, wondering what to do with myself um, in a pretty windswept. Um, it's quite barren. It's quite it's a really tough, a tough environment to be in. Um, much of the year, you watch the horizontal fog um, blow past the window. Um, and we had um, we'd organised um, a much longed for holiday with our two little babies and um, my mum and dad in France. Um, and we rented we rented a villa, which I thought would be perfect for our stage of our stage of life with these two these two babies and all the paraphernalia that comes with them. Um, and when we got there, it actually just turned out to be a bit of a nightmare. And the, um, the, 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 the thing that changed it all was that Barnaby, who's now our, who's our eldest and is now 21, fell into an unenclosed swimming pool um, oh, and basically sank. Um, you know, we were we were moments of having a catastrophe on our hands. Um, thankfully, uh, my father jumped into the pool, saw him and jumped into the pool and fished him out. Um, but what that began to make me realise was that the travel industry wasn't in the faintest bit um, interested, perhaps, or knowledgeable about this group of group of people who, who are going through a very specific phase of their lives. They have a very specific set of pains. They have a very specific set of needs. And it makes a, you know, and it makes a big difference um, if you don't answer those pains. 
Um, so I am a villa company um, targeting families with small children and babies. So really making sure they had the kit, the, all the villas had the kit, the equipment, that they were safe. They had pool, fundamentally had pool safety around um, all, all bits of water. And um, that started off as a tiny little kind of nine villa website um, back in 2006. So we're going back, we're going back a long way to the early, well, really still early days of the internet. Um, sitting in our married quarter in Portsmouth by this stage, two small children under my feet, um, and and answering the phone to customers in in the middle of Waitrose, and so that that's how it all started. <laughs> You know, and it really built. I mean, it really built up into something quite incredible, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It really did. It it hit it, it it hit a nerve with you know with our target market who absolutely understood what it was we were doing. I I from my marketing days, I under I understood how to position a product, position a, an offering, a communicate it so that it maximised um, resonance. And it went from we went from our nine little properties in in the Dordogne area of France to Italy, Spain, Portugal, the Balearics, Canary Islands, um, really because on on the on both sides of the market, you know, for customers it's very clear if you've got small children, you've got very specific needs. But on the supply side, um, it, I did I didn't realise until we were a little way in that. Um, you can very easily rent out July and August if you have a villa in Spain, but actually those other weeks outside of school holidays are much more difficult to, to rent out. Um, and so your property sits empty. Um, it costs you a lot of money to maintain. Um, but families with preschool children will happily travel in April or May or you know weeks outside of um, term times. And so actually it was a very, it, some magic came together when you matched the right the right um, product with the right suppliers and did something, you know, did something clever in the middle. Um, ultimately, we in 2016, I designed a um, designed a much more scalable prospect. Um, I, I started to design a, a resort concept. And so latterly, we got investment into the business in 2016 um, and started creating a resort concept, um, which added much more much more in on top of the, the sort of the hygiene factors of safety and kit and equipment we then were looking at experiential um holidays and how do you build community and all that sort of thing um and that that was a huge huge success um we had seven resorts um we were growing at 65 65 a year i had a growing team of 35 and then of course covid came along and no one could have prepared us for that Wow. And at its peak, I mean, how, how was the business doing in terms of uh, turnover? I think it was oh, millions. Yeah, well, we, yes, that's a, that's a great question. So we, 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 we grew massively. I mean, there's, there's no, when we changed the, changed the model um, to a resort model, it was a much easier, scale, more scalable proposition, but it also had much greater resonance with our customers. And so we really began to see massive strides um, in, in, in the KPIs, the margin, the lifetime value, the cost of acquisition, all of those um, elements became much, 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 much better. Uh, but also our customers really loved it. And they were, you know, they were coming back and they were booking more holidays and they were talking to their friends. So all of the, that sort of virality began to really play as well, um, which was what the 65% growth was about. Our NPS was way up. Um, and we were, we bashed through the, um, 
I've smashed through the the ten million um, revenue um, wow. point, which is a, a which is very rare. I, I know I know now that only four percent of businesses get above a million, and and less than one percent of businesses get beyond ten. So, which is why I'm interested in that one to ten ten region because I think there's much you know if businesses get a much much more support, then we'll get more businesses scaling, which means more jobs, which is better for our economy and all of so, so on and so forth. And, and that's that's the area that really you coach and you add value to and you mentor CEOs. And that's very much your yeah. your, 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 your business now. Um, what I'm really interested in to, to, to hear about, uh, because we're in the sort of sector of mediation and challenging conversations, <laughs> and, uh, negotiation. <laughs> I mean, you must have had a lot of those oh my goodness adam if you want to know about crisis and difficult conversations come straight into travel (laughs) Travel, travel i'd really be interested to know um what what lessons you learned really from uh, perhaps having to confront some tough conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pandemic came along and effectively your business stopped is that right yeah i mean it wiped us out it absolutely cut us off at the knees you know i think the businesses that had steadily done what they'd always done for a very long time um had a better chance of surviving because they had more retained profits we'd done a lot of innovation we'd done an, an enormous amount of growth um we were we were just about to sign our second round of investment on in fact uh, uh, around march the 20th we were due to sign uh, 2020 we were due to sign the heads of terms for the second round of investment so that would have fanned our um our resorts out across europe so that would have been you know if if the pandemic hadn't come i mean i think we would be conservatively looking at a 50 million revenue business i think wow. um wow. so yeah so it was there's a lot oh, of a lot of thinking and introspection and and resilience that that, that, <gasps> that comes in there yeah. Um, and I mean, what, you know, how did you approach uh, really having those difficult conversations with staff, with investors, with yeah. people? You know, what was yeah. your what was your strategy? Um, well, to... I mean, I suppose. Um, uh... I mean, the, the conversations the conversations that used to happen in day to day to day life. Um, um, so you know, in travel, in travel, you are forever dealing with a crisis. You're forever dealing with, you know, from locust infestations to, you know, issues about issues with a sun umbrella, through to wildfires and earthquakes. You know, everything happens in travel. Strikes, yeah. people lose their passports. You're dealing, and you're dealing with very heightened heightened emotions because people have, you know, these are big ticket items. People are definitely wanting to, um, you know, they 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 are have. Uh, there's high expectation around these these holidays and we found that there was a particular particular pinch point around um the holiday uh, the last holiday that mum is on maternity leave before she goes back to work right. so you know you're particular again um that, you're, that you're never going to get that moment back again these are once in a lifetime moments exactly. to resolve so what you know how do you how did you approach the did you have a a strategy for dealing with um, challenging conversations. Um, I mean, I, I learned that I'm much, I am much more fiery than I worked with my husband, who's a very grounded, balanced, um, rational person. I am the complete opposite of that. Um, I, I'm, you know, I like to get things done quickly. I'm a big picture thinker. Um, I'm probably very, in, I'm in t- very in touch with my emotions. Uh, so I think one of the starting 
points was we 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 personality profiled everybody in the office um and that that took a lot of um the sting out of many of the conversations that could have come up because we were being very deliberate and intentional in our recruitment so we knew what personality profiles we were looking for in the first place i mean a lot of issues in business come come around the people you hire and those yeah. tricky conversations um, so latterly, we got really, really deliberate um, in our recruitment process to make sure that we were um, recruiting the right people with the right values um, and the right personality traits for particular roles. So to try and minimise. Give us an example of how that what that might look like. I mean, what would be a personality trait that might be somebody you'd say, OK, that's a good person to put on the phone and set yeah, the well, seat? Way. Yeah, well, so I mean, so so a personality profiling tool that we we used was one called Talent Dynamics. That's since been um, um, uh, replaced by um, Contribution Compass, which is one that you know really well. Um, I think so. We would we would look at the role. So, say for example, a, uh, well, a salesperson is very different from a customer service person. A salesperson needs to be high energy. They need to be able, they need to be um, dr you know driven in a different way to a to a salesperson. Uh, sorry, to a customer service person. Who so I would be looking for, for customer service. Who are the people who end up on the. Uh, rough side of issues um they are they are the people who really care about um customer service they really care about living by our promises they reply to people on time you know they 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 have all those very grounded personality traits i mean and and that and and those types of people are very much better at dealing with a with a you know conflict about a, sun, a parasol i mean one of the lasting memories i have is of a of, of a of a of a um owner who who came to us and said your guests have just broken our sun parasol you know and who's to say i mean how do i know sitting here in england what really happened with the sun you know with this parasol which is probably 50 euros worth of worth of cost um how how am i to know and you end up trying to mediate a situation where you've j cool. just don't have enough data you don't have enough information um right. And, that, and people can get can, can really quite heated about the smallest things. Um, so sometimes we would make a commercial judgment just to solve the problem and take the take the issue, which which is about right. Okay, I'm going to give you in order to just calm this, I'm going to give you fifty fifty euros or fifty percent of that to just sort the issue and make it go away. I don't, right. you know, what I didn't want to do. What was what was what was a lose lose situation was to. Um, upset the owner, the, the villa owner, and upset the client because yeah. these clients are really valuable. You know, we we spend a lot of money in cost of acquisition to acquire them, um, and what we want them to do is come back and have another holiday and another holiday and another holiday. So what we want to do is 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 really minimise and take the sting out of it. And so I'm looking for people who can very gent, very um, empathetically and very kindly and very patiently work through an issue to come to a win-win situation. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's not possible. I mean, um, during during COVID, a perfect example. I mean, in in COVID, in the COVID era, there were no winners, no winners in travel. I wasn't a winner. My suppliers weren't winners. My customers weren't winners. There were there was no winners. Um, but. And, and we we did our we did our best. We were spending thirty thousand pounds a month on the customer service effort to try and to try and drive a, a, as 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 balanced a ro road through this 
you know, turmoil, really. Um, and one particularly upset client um, decided that our customer service effort was not enough. Well, it was never going to be enough because, the, as I said, there were no winners. Um, and he, I woke up one morning and he had trolled all my Instagram posts. He had messaged um, people on my Insta, people I am um, friended with on Instagram, and messaged them to tell them how dreadful I was and how I was stealing and how I was all this, this, that, and the other. And then in the final flourish, he um, he messaged my children on Instagram and said, oh "You." Gosh you lot will have what's coming to you, you know, you're fundamentally dishonest people, which couldn't have been further from the truth, you know, really and truly, it was couldn't have been further from the truth. You're not going to find anybody with as higher integrity as as me, but even my husband has an even higher integrity than I do. Um, and, and as I said, there were no winners. I mean, in the end, we just had to go to the police and say, um, please, mm. this is this is now harassment, this is harassing a minor, um, it, you know, this is now in the hands of our solicitors. And so, so in, you know, we couldn't always rectify the situation. No. But what, what, um, what, I'm, what I'm getting from actually is that some of it is, some of the conflict resolution actually is about facts. Sometimes it's actually about feelings and emotions. 100%. And, and people, I, fundamentally, you know, people want to be heard, don't they? And they want to be validated. And if they're not getting that and they're not getting what they want, it escalates yeah. and it just goes yeah. further and further and further and further. And it, it, it's, it's fascinating that relatively trivial things can actually escalate so quickly if you don't have the mechanism in place to, um, to, 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 to hear people. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's really quite amazing. Sorry. But we're back to back to the point about the um you know the end of maternity leave last holiday. Yes. Um, what we were about to do and obviously didn't have time to because um, COVID wiped us out. What I would have what I was beginning to do in that situation was to do a lot more education around that risk. So I you know I was I was um, poised to to do little videos and you know um, I, I make it part of the sales process to understand if that was if that was likely to be the case so that we could educate um, and make sure that people knew how much raised emotion there was around that holiday and you know I I can't my holidays were the very best holidays on the market for that segment of people but I can't make your baby baby sleep and I can't fix your marriage problems you know I can't fix the weather yeah I know I did that you a guarantee of marital harmony Honestly. and sleeping babies Fantastic. I know. Honestly, it's I, if I could wave my magic wand, I'm, I'm good, but I'm not a magician. <laughs> so, I mean, I was just really trying to sort of work out how, you know, where, where we had pinch points in the business. How can we go back a few steps to the real issue um, and 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 put um, put mediations in place um to to stop the problem happening in the first place certainly I, that was definitely my approach with with my team my team my the 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 first the first thing i had to do with my team was to understand that they needed to be led in a different way to how i wanted to how i wanted to be led so you know in right. back to personality profiling i mean i i'm i'm a free spirit i don't like rules i i like don't like anyone to tell me what to do you know and so i thought my team by extension, would really value 
um, it's not all of that, but some elements of that approach. Actually, that's completely not the case. I'm the outlier and people, um, what I found from my team was they wanted to, to know how do they do this? How do they do it well here? What are, what is the framework? What are the boundaries? Um, and, and how, and, and how tell them what, what the expectations were. And I, it took me really until our first round of investment to realize that I, I needed to change, fundamentally change my leadership approach and lead how they needed me to lead, not lead how I wanted to be led. It's, and it's fascinating because what's coming out of the conversation is personality and profile is so important in so all these important. conversations because if you put the right, the wrong sort of energy or the wrong sort of um, premise of the conversation or wrong assumptions in at the beginning, it's just not gonna. It's just not gonna work. Things are not going to work. People are not gonna hear probably the message that you want to say, yeah. and sometimes yeah. they need to hear it in the way that they need to hear that. And I think in mediation practice, um, framing is so important as well as mm -hmm. understanding personalities. But I'm fascinated in this um, uh, in this theme that comes out across all businesses and all conflict, which is that um, most negotiation actually is about personality and emotion. Yeah. And only a small proportion is to do with the facts, which is why, <laughs> so you know, as a lawyer with an exp with experience, yeah. you know we're all trained principled negotiation, and um, you have to do this and find out what people. Sometimes it's nothing to do with that. It's about how often, actually, mostly, it's nothing to do with that. It's about how people feel, whether they've been heard, what sort of personality um, yeah. they're, they're they're dealing with. Um, and I suppose another thing that you've mentioned, which I find fascinating, is you mentioned the profiling and also uh, culture. You, you explained yes. that you put in a certain culture. And I wonder um, whether you have insights into the effect on workplace culture um, and the role of leadership in that and how, how that affects sort of harmony in the, in the working environment. Well, I mean, I've, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so. Prior to the investment in 2016, we'd been a very small team and we had just, I mean, when you're, when you're under 10 people, you, you know, everything you're doing is organic. You know, you don't have to start talking openly about values because it's just organic. Yeah, people just get it. Right. I mean, you, you, you've got the right, you've got the right people in place and they just understand yeah. and you don't they have just to be understand. about it. Exactly. Um, mm. And then but then when you start, particularly when something like an event happens where you've got a cash injection and you're growing fast and you're hiring fast, you've got to be very, very careful that the wheels don't come off the bus. And absolutely. Um, I remember a situation very, very clearly. It was it was very emotional. Um, we had a VAT inspection. So our accountant um, was 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 working with us and she her daughter had had very sadly died. I think she was 19 in her first year of university. And her, and our amazing, amazing accountant came in on the day before her daughter's funeral to um, to help us get through this tax tax inspection. So, you know, incredible values, incredible, you know, dedication to us and her and, and her and her work. By contrast, because we had hired quickly and we didn't have the framework in place, we had people behaving in the office really in a way that was not in line with Rob's, Rob's values or my, my values. And there was a particular instance where three of the team um, were, were not behaving in the way that we wanted them to. And Rob came in to the office and he's very mild-mannered, really mild-mannered normally. But this, we had this heightened emotional situation going on with, with our, our um, 
accountant and he said who are all these people and why are they behaving so badly there were a few expletives in there as well um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I took the pause there <laughs> yeah, so I, I cleaned it up um, very you. unlike Rob to say anything quite as, as 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 dramatic as that anyway the long and short of it was we we got rid of three people on one day we just like well no this is completely not we we drew a line under that that era and then what Rob and I spent significant amount of time on was okay how do we grow this business so we bring our people the right people the best people on the journey with us and that meant going right back to um to a very clear vision incredibly clear vision very clear values um and then you know very clear structure of how what it, what is it to work here what does it take to work here what well, how do we do it here how do we win here um and and i i had to stand up you know, I had to start getting into the habit of, you know, weekly team meetings, which sounds so bleedingly obvious, but actually we didn't do that up until that point. So weekly team meetings where I was talking, we had a very set structure. I was talking very clearly about um, our, our vision and our values. And you you have to come at it in lots of different ways, you know, using a piece of customer testimonial or customer feedback and then pulling out the value that that that, that piece of feedback illustrates. Um talking about something brilliant that the team has done and how the, how that aligns with our values and our vision mm. you have to just come at it in so many different ways could you, you reward based on did you reward based on values as well do you um, reward people we for use, so values? one of that's a great question um yes in terms of um praise and recognition and significance um, yeah. So coming back to coming back to you yeah. know your your human needs. One of you know your human needs are certainty, are um, significance. Um, so I was very I, I built the culture around what the team needed in terms of satisfying their human needs. So once you know once you've got away from the the conversation, once you're paying people a good salary and this is a nice place to work, you've then got to address um, some some other needs. And what I recognised very early on was that. People need to come to work for something that's bigger than money. You know, once you've once yeah. you've once you've solved that, they want to come for something bigger than money. And so I I recognised and felt very deeply that what we were doing um, in our business we was we were making families stronger. Every single holiday, I felt fundamentally was the only time in the year where people get the chance to to slow down, to recharge, to reconnect, and to have this very very precious time with their children and their and their spouses or their partners and so for me that was highly highly impactful so I, I i said i said to the team this is a business of impact we are doing this very very important thing um and and i think that began to really i thought i see that as a key turning point in in the in the driving the, the momentum and and then i hired uh, i made sure i hired people who cared about doing that as well um, and then I began to I, I began to um, extend that thinking around business of impact, which I would love to see more 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 businesses doing. I think it's you know to solve big problems is a is a is a really worthwhile and meaningful thing to do so for for people to do. Sure. I then um, aligned the business with a charity called B1G1, which is essentially um, essentially all about micro impacts. So if you think about running it, if you ran a coffee shop. You could, and every time somebody bought a coffee, um, one p of that coffee went to give um, a family in in Africa clean water because that's all it takes when you break it down love, into a, a micro impact. Love that. Um, 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 incredible. So there's B1G1 has a whole website of different of different impacts, um, and and they cost from as little as one one cent right through to you know many tens of pounds, and so I I aligned two. I basically aligned the whole business with B1G1. I said like there are two opportunities in our or the more than two but at the moment there are two opportunities where we can put in a micro impact in our customer facing activity so every time somebody signs up for the newsletter there is a micro impact and every time somebody um, buys a holiday there is another micro impact so actually every time somebody bought a holiday i think we we paid for we paid for one family to have clean water and and then i said to my head of the of crm i said andy I want you to choose the impact that happens when somebody signs up for the newsletter. And I and I knew he would do this because because I have an insight into human psychology. But he himself had a problem with his his um, site. So he chose a micro impact, which was about giving um, children um, around the world the very special vitamins to protect their site. And so every time somebody signed up for the newsletter, some another child got helped. It's amazing. And then, it was it was so super powerful. And then within the team, um, every time the team had a birthday or a work anniversary, we made a contribution and they chose their own impact. So they so it was not about just giving a you know a cheap bottle of sparkly wine. Um, it they 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 chose something that was really meaningful to them and we made a contribution on their behalf. And that really augmented the, this sense of us doing something that was hugely valuable in the world, and I think back to the question, back to the point about mediation. When you're doing this higher purpose work, those issues become very much smaller. Yes, no, I agree. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because I, I think that's right. All the surveys that have been done say that people really, actually, ultimately want to be doing something meaningful that aligns yeah. with their own values. And, mm-hmm. and add value to the universe, which is a which is a wonderfully positive thought if you think about human yes. nature that people yes. want their own needs, but one of their own needs is actually to feel that they're doing something um, worthwhile. And yeah. um, it, it's interesting you mentioned the word human a few times during what you said, and we're in the we're in the arena, aren't we, of so much being now being talked about in terms of AI and development and computers can churn out this. And uh, my own experience is that I actually think that we're in we're in the sector of dealing with human interactions. Yeah. And it seems to me that um, in the midst of all of this flurry of technology and artificial intelligence, people are really craving authenticity, whether it's coming back to work and having those human interactions or learning to have those soft skills with each other that people yeah. that's forgotten when they've been away on the pandemic and, and, and not been in an office with people. Um, and I wonder really, uh, as well as artificial intelligence, what the role of emotional intelligence is in conflict um, management. Um, because uh, from, from, from my observation, I think a lot of those people skills are, are, are lacking. People need mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. we need to be uh, bolstering that sort of emotional intelligence and human interaction. And I wonder yeah. whether you had any thoughts or observations on that oh, yes. in terms of your workplace. Wind her up and set her off. Uh, yes, yeah, so one hundred percent. I mean, I I think we we have to learn to human better, don't we? We have to learn to human better. One of the um, clients I'm working with at the moment, I'm helping to raise helping them to raise money, is a fascinating business, and they are all about helping 
basically for, for 25 years, they've been using actors to role play tricky conversations. Um, and these are trained actors who are trained in this very special method that they've developed over all these years. Um, and they've now they've now turned that into an online platform. So you, if you are about to have a tricky conversation with either one of your direct reports or one of your um, line managers, you can now practice that conversation with a trained coach. It's brilliant. And it's the space that we're in through, um, uh, I think we've, we've spoken about this, about a global training group. We have mm -hmm. a, a subsidiary company that's doing that. And I think it's such mm -hmm. important work because there's such a huge demand for it, I think. Such a huge demand. I'm speaking to, you know, Vice President HR for Capgemini, for example. When I ask her and her 350,000 people across the globe, what are the key problems that you are facing? It is all about emotional intelligence. It is all about human skills, about conflict resolution. How do I, how do I get people to have better conversations, healthier conversations, um, and to, particularly after COVID, to yeah. have a more human um, approach and I think I think there's a number of ways to do that I mean I think we we need to learn how to do it better we need to be more conscious about it um, but we also need to need to practice and we need to be more self-aware you know back to this um, profiling um, my my husband our marriage with my um, between me and my husband um, our marriage improved significantly when we both understood each other's profiles better our own and then each other's you know my my profile is all about wake up and have a big idea and the poor man you know the poor man's not through the shower or had a coffee before I'm you know I'm telling him what I think the next big thing should be um, and his his brain just triggers how questions he's a how he's a i'm a i'm a very strong what person he's what we'd call a very strong how person and he his that just stresses him out and he then he's one he's saying his brain is more automatically triggering the million reasons why what i've just said won't work which of course massively triggers me and then i'm like well of course you're not going to support any of my ideas you know that kind of thing um <laughs> so but but then when we began to when we understood where we were on our where our profiles were makes perfect, I go, well, sense. makes perfect sense and mm -hmm. and then i understand that i need to take i need to take an idea i need to develop an idea much much more before i go to him and say right i think this is what we need to to do i need yeah. to, to develop that idea much more so it feels it feels less like something i've just woken up to um and he has he's able to sit down and process it equally he can come he's able to understand that you know this is the way this is the way I am and that's where my brilliance is and his brilliance is there and what I think in the long and short of it is we've become massively more respectful of each other's brilliance rather than seeing it as a total irritation fantastic fantastic well um Wendy that's absolutely fantastic to hear the six million dollar question of course is um did did your husband Robert get did he get the job after the profiling uh of... <laughs> what, the job as my husband or the yes job? <laughs> <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> yeah I mean he's he's um oh I mean his 
we we both need each other in our lives. You know, I I, I create, he makes it happen. So we're we're we're, we're a perfect match. Sounds like an absolutely formidable team. If you do need any mediation, you absolutely know where to come. I I do. <laughs> it's been wonderful to speak to you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. We look forward to continuing a lot of these conversations. Hopefully, not difficult conversations. They're very easy conversations with you. But look forward oh. to. Uh, talking with you uh, lots and, and, and maintaining that uh, compact, uh, contact. I think that the work that you're doing is so valuable and oh, um, really, really, really wonderful. Lovely to have you on. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really very, very grateful. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mediation Matters. Please remember to subscribe for future episodes.